Welcome to Mind, Body, and Soul Awakening, where we celebrate resilience, honor triumph over tragedy, and inspire transformation, guiding you on a life-changing journey of healing and self-discovery. I am Stars Tina, your host. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It does not matter what day of the week it day of the week it is. I want to welcome each and every one of you. I am Stars Tina. I don't need to say much because that intro pretty much told it all. Can I tell you? I am so super excited, so super charged for this next person. Now, when I came up with this show, a lot of people thought it was going to be about women crying and sad about losing their kids or about death or things like that. But I believe traumedy is when a trauma and a tragedy collide. When these two things come together, life-changing experiences occur. And you don't have to lose a loved one to have a trauma or tragedy in your life. And I'm super excited for this next guest. But first, he came over his trauma, tragedy, whatever you want to call it, and turned into a triumph and started a business. So I just want to do a quick little clip before he comes in here so you can see a little bit. Self-defense is way more than just knowing how to pull a trigger on a pistol or thinking you can fight with your hands. Self-defense really comes down to preparation and readiness. See this passing parabellum. If you want peace, prepare for war. But it's great that you know what to do in business. It's great that you know how to protect your money, but how do you protect your family? That's what this is all about. This is about understanding what it is to actually get a little violent. This course is gonna be about you learning how to use your firearms and learn what it is to actually fight with them. Not just poke holes in paper. I got so excited, I wanted to watch it again. All right, without further ado, here we go. Adam Smith, welcome. How are you? Hey. So first of all, you know, thank you, thank you, thank you. Nervous excitement. Is there a difference? I don't know. I'm just super excited. If you guys don't know, I met this gentleman a few months ago at an event, and after the event, everyone was sitting at the table talking, and. I'm that person that likes to, I'm not going to say I like to start a fight or anything. Maybe it's controversial. <laughs> you know, I just love it. And he would say something, we were going back and forth and it just shows the growth. So, you know, a little bit about my sh show and tell us briefly, cause I want to get into the nuts and bolts of business and, you know, targets and goals, but trauma, tragedy, what was the biggest trauma you had in your life and how did you overcome it? Let's just jump right into it. You know, I, I it's, that's an interesting question because I think a lot of people, a lot of people want to look at their life and want to see one specific piece or one specific incident. Uh, that's the culminating experience, traumatic experience of their life that they have to overcome. The reality is, is that a lot of times there's not one specific traumatic experience that is the, the culminating piece. And I think that, um, I think everyone is looking, I think everyone is constantly looking for that one thing to overcome. For me, it wasn't just one thing. It was a multitude of things. There's a multitude of different experiences, a multitude of different life experiences that 
um, that built up to the point when I was ready to not be alive anymore. And so, you know, for me, it wasn't, um, it wasn't necessarily one traumatic experience. It was a lot of different experiences that stacked and they stacked and stacked and stacked. And, and if we would, we could go through a laundry list of all of them, but no, none of the individual experiences truly matter to the extent that we want to put the importance on them. For me, the, the biggest thing for me was what happened on the back end. So a lot of times we let that trauma define who we are. We let our job define who we are. We let the people around us define who we are. We let, we let all these different interactions and experiences and titles and stuff like that define who we are. And then that makes us our identity. And then we lose our identity at some point in our life. And that's when we hit the bottom. And so for me, my big piece was basically stepping away from the military after around 17 years of service and losing my identity, losing my purpose in life and having no mission to fulfill. And that wasn't a singular traumatic experience. It was uh, an overwhelming sense of loss across the board on top of all the other traumatic experiences of my life. And when you stack them all together, um, you get to this point where you, you kind of sit in this place of helplessness and hopelessness. And the only thing you can see uh, is the darkness of the hole that you're in. And so for me, that was, that was the piece. And, um, and it, and it led me to a really bad place. It led me to writing my suicide note, and put a pistol in my mouth. And, you know, the fact is, is the only reason why I'm still here by God's grace is that I was so drunk when I did it that I passed out before I could pull the trigger. And um, I came to with my fiance walking through the back door. And when she walked through the back door, I, 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 I woke up and um, I had a gun in my hand. It was it was a Wednesday. <laughs> At this point, it was Wednesday evening. There are booze bottles everywhere. My suicide notes on the table said, "Have to hide the suicide note." And I'm playing with I'm quote playing with my gun. So she walks in, and all she sees is that I've been drinking all day, and I have this gun in my hand that I'm playing with. I mean, it's a Wednesday. This is what we do, right? This is this is, this is we do this on Wednesday. We have beers and we clean our guns. This is a Wednesday. Um, <laughs> and so, and so that that led to that led to a confrontation between she and I. Um, and she didn't know. She, I never told her. In fact, I hid the suicide note. She didn't know. She, she didn't know until um, she didn't know until I was having a conversation about this with a bunch of guys that I was uh, I was mentoring in a men's group. And um, and then she her, overheard the conversation I was having with these guys as I was telling them the story. And after that phone conversation, that that phone call, she came to me and said, "I I never knew." And so that was the piece for me. That was the that was the that was the bottom of the barrel moment. I want to tap into that bottom of the barrel moment because men, you are definitely a man's man. Like if you look in a dictionary, man, I, <laughs> I want to know what it feels like. Because when I say man's man, it's like guns, fire, fighting, drinking. <laughs> That's you. <laughs> That's Bourbon, you. Cigars. Exactly. You know, yeah. I was going to say mustache, beard. <laughs> beard. <laughs> so I want to know what it felt like because in my eyes someone that's like manly man you don't feel any pain ever it's just like you can withstand anything so what did it feel like i want to know at that moment when you actually i mean i picked up a gun once and i was like wow this is scary but to actually and and i should have said at the beginning you know there might be some f-bombs or whatever here it might be a little deep but to actually put a gun in your mouth did you put your teeth on it? I want some details. I know this sounds weird and weird, but all what I remember from it, Tina, is is when I put when I, I all, what I remember is literally just is tasting tasting the metal. That's the last thing I remember. Um, that's that's the last that's the last piece of memory I have from that that morning. 
Wow. You know what? I really want to go ahead. No. And then the rest of it's just me being passed out. Like I don't remember anything the rest of the day. The next memory I have is, is, uh, is my fiance walking through the back door. So the next question I really want to ask, but I don't want to ask, but I'm going to ask anyway. Yeah, go for it. God, like, do you think God saved you? What are your thoughts with that? Because a lot of people say, well, that was God. Um, you yeah. know, I would say that I believe in a significant, I believe in a higher power. I believe in God. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a very spiritual person. And so um, I should, there's a lot of, there's a lot of instances in my life where I should be dead. Uh, bad decisions that I've made, battling my own demons internally. Uh, there's a lot of moments in my life that I should be dead and I'm not. Why am I not dead? I, I don't know. So the only thing I have to, the only thing I can put it up to when, when we have a lack of knowledge of the reasons why we are where we are in our life, uh, understanding that one, we are the sum, we literally are the sum of the choices that we've made up to this point in our life. So where we are is definitively on us. And also why I'm not dead in those moments had to be something watching over me. Like there's no Definitely. question. Little Adam, what was he like? Because like I said, right now I see you as this manly man and 10 year old Adam, were you, did you always have this personality where you were bully as a kid? I'm just curious. No, actually I got bullied a lot as a kid. Uh, believe it or not. I, I, when I was growing up, my dad, so I started taking martial arts at a young age and my dad, we, I grew up in a Lutheran, in a Lutheran family with a Lutheran church. Um, and we, we really like my dad, my dad took Taekwondo. I took Taekwondo with my dad. We, there was this concept of, of energy. So like the idea of meditation and the, the flow of energy and chi and all this other stuff that Eastern philosophies, I started learning about that at a young age and I loved history. So I, I loved watching the discovery channel. I couldn't get enough information. I just, I wanted to know more smart. information all the time. And so I didn't, I didn't really fit in. Like I didn't, I didn't really fit in with my peer group because the, they, they put importance on other things. Plus like we didn't have a lot of money growing up. So I grew up, I would say probably there was a point when we were solid middle, middle class, but for a majority of the time, we're lower middle class, upper lower class when it comes to like um, socioeconomical status with regards to how much money we had as a family. And so again, like I just, I didn't really fit in. I, I didn't really fit in until high school. And so growing up, we went camping, we went canoeing. There was a lot of outdoor stuff that we did. My dad wasn't, a, wasn't really a hunter. So I didn't really do a lot of hunting when I was young. Um, but yeah, like, no, I, I was the exact opposite for me. I got bullied. I got bullied a lot, but the other side of that too, was that, um, you know, I, I got picked on because I, I, I didn't really want to follow the rules. I talked, I was socially extroverted. Like I was outgoing. Um, I was engaging. I was, I, I knew a lot of information. So if there was a question being asked in class, I would raise my hand to answer the question. So I was labeled to know it all. Um, it was just, well, a really, it, it was one of those things, it was a really interesting thing growing up, you know? I love it. Cause I would have never imagined that as little Adam. <laughs> 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 I think, I, I think I really, I really, I really truly believe that a big part of my, uh, I was always a Patriot. My grandfather served in world war II. My other grandfather was in during Korea. One was in the Marine. One was in the army. My uncle was in the army. My other uncle was in the Navy. Um, you know, I, it was, um, patriotism, wanting to be a part of it, like believing in the, the, the founding principles of the country with regards to the, the right for every person to seek success and, 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 and practice their freedom and practice their liberty. And, um, and then also the other piece too, was you not, know, I, I was really super socially aware. So I, 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 like, again, when I got picked on all the time, I was like, man, like, 
I, I don't want to see this happen. I don't want to see, I don't want to see this taking place. Something has to shift or change. And that was, that was one of the things that drove me to do what I did. And I wanted to, you, you get a light bulb in my head today because normally I'll say to someone, what's the one thing that triggered you, you know, from your trauma? And when you said it, I was like, he's absolutely right. It's usually never one thing that happens to you. It's just things that have built up and built up. And then it's that one moment, you know, where you actually make that choice. I wanted to ask you about your daughter. How old is she? And what's her name? Uh, Toby, Toby Ryan. She's, uh, she's two years. What is she? Two years in, and, um, oh. June, July, so it's two years and two, two months right now. And oh, she is, the a terrible tooth. is she really, is oh, she she's like a you? savage, but she, you know what? She's so awesome. And this is interesting that everybody says this terrible tooth thing. I haven't figured that I out yet. Oh, they're the cutest. Their voices are so tiny and they get into yeah. trouble and do all sorts of stuff. Yes. Yeah? Is she like that? Yeah, oh yeah. Well, her terrible, her terrible aspect really is just her pushback. She's, she in so many ways is like, I am now I'm like, Hey, like, don't, don't do that. You're going to hurt yourself. And then she's like, you, you remember, you know, the videos, of the cat where the cat's like looking at you in the face and pushing the thing off the edge of the table. That's her <laughs> all day long. She's just looking at me like, don't do what? Okay. Just look at me. And she's going to do it anyway. Like, what did I just say? Come on. <laughs> I love it. So another reason why I have him on here, guys, is not just because he turned his traumedy into a triumph, is he's an amazing motivator. I know you don't like the, the word oh, motivational God. speaker, but you are, dude. Like, I wrote a note. He's like, I'm not a motivator. Yes, you are, because you motivate the crap out of me. It is, I'm not going to say it's hard to motivate me, but I'm already motivated. Like, yeah, woohoo, life is great. But to take me to the next level takes a little something, something, and you do that organically. You said when we were talking about, you know, why you're still here, because you have a gift and God only gives that gift to certain people. And you've got that gift to change the world and you're doing that. So I want to talk about your trying up your business targets, goals, because there's people who are watching this, me, <laughs> who have a business. And as you know, you know, I'm new with this podcasting and I was scared. You know, I was just like, I was stalling it for eight months and I'm like, I'm finally going to do my first episode. I just actually did it on my phone. I'm like, I'm just going to do it. And I did it like this <laughs> and I did it. And then, <laughs> so everything is like, just throw it in the water, just get it done. I'm listening to other people's and I said, you know what? I just have to be me. Yes, I should have a jacket on here, but heck, I, I, I gotta be me, you know? That's right. So talk to us about targets, goals, um, because it, do you like to shoot? You like shooting guns? No, I hate it. Stupid. <laughs> shooting guns are it's dumb. <laughs> I was laughing when you were talking about the targets and you were describing different types of guns. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so yeah, look, look, I, I had a, I, I put, I have my, you know, I have a podcast. And so I, I did an episode about goals. Goals are dumb because soccer, right? Like that's <laughs> literally was the title of the podcast. I, I have listened a lot to goal setting. I've done a crap ton of goal setting. Um, and one of the things that I came, I, I, I came to understand, which I didn't really like about the term was what, you, you know, NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, there's a really important piece psychologically when we're communicating with people and with ourselves, especially with ourselves, the language that we use. And so the, it just like steering your car or riding a motorcycle, what you look at, you will steer towards. And so the words that you use have a direct impact on how it affects your brain, your mind, the, the firing patterns of your brain, what energy vibrations you're putting into the universe and what energy vibrations are being attracted back to you. And, and this is a real thing. Like this is a legitimately real, it's, it's, it's scientifically proven the power of the psyche and the words we use direct our thought patterns. And again, this is a very real thing. We can measure it with very special neurological scientific devices that anyway, we won't go down that route, but what I got to an understanding was, man, this, tar this, this concept of setting goals and I hated it. 
I hated the conversation because we're oh, <laughs> let's, let's go set a goal. I'm like, I hate soccer. Quit using the term of around a sport that I thoroughly dislike. And I don't like soccer for so many reasons. The biggest reason why I don't like soccer is you have all these pompous, arrogant jackasses run around on a field. And as soon as someone brushes them, <laughs> walk on the ground and act like the world is ending. And, oh, my God, I've broken my leg. And then the yellow card comes out and they hop up like nothing happened. And I'm like, dude, you know what? You should get a yellow card for being a bitch. Like, you should be a yellow card for laying on the ground, flopping around like a weak ass. But I don't, I hate it. I hate it. Don't, oh, oh, it infuriates me. But it infuriates me because it presents and promotes a weak mentality. Right. This idea that if I overact, if I appeal to the emotion of self so much that I'm going to get a result this desired result. And in soccer, if you think about goals, think about how excited not only the players are and the coach, but think about how excited all the fans are when they score a goal. They get so excited. You're playing a 90 or 120, it's like 90 to 120 minutes. I don't know, I remember how long the daggone soccer games are. Maybe it's 90 minutes, a 90 minute game. Think about how long they play and how few goals are actually scored. The reason why they get so amped up is because it never happens. Like goals being scored happen so rarely. And then if you miss a goal, nine times out of 10, you have to give away the thing that you use to score a goal with. So if you miss a goal and the ball blows past the goalkeeper, or the ball blows, blows past the, the, the goal itself, that ball then becomes a goal kick. So now the opposing team has control over the thing that you use to score a goal. And I'm like, dude, what a dumb term <laughs> use when it comes to trying to set a, an outcome, a desired outcome. What, what, what is the thing that I do in my life? One of the things I love the most and things that I help teach people, what is it that I do that gives me positive control? Not only do I have the ability to aim, not only do I have the ability to load, reload, adjust my aim, adjust what I'm shooting at. Like I have all these different opportunities and these different mechanics that I get to input. I can improve my skill on hitting a target. I can improve my skill on shooting in general. Like, dude, why don't we use the term target? Like, let's not use the term goal because I don't want to give away the ability to score. I want to maintain my, not only maintain my ability to score or hit a target, but also recognize that I can get better at doing it. So let's change the language. Let's change how we, how we look at setting an, a desired outcomes. So I don't want to set goals. I want to set targets because if I miss a target, I can reevaluate the target. I can re-aim the tool that I'm using, and then I can re-engage. And the ability of re-evaluating the target is, I didn't hit the target the first time, is does that target serve me and my higher purpose? Or is it a target for, for just, just the sake of having a target? It's like, am I taking purposeful action, or am I just taking actions for action's sake? Right? And, and that's the difference. That's the reason why the term goal, when people say it, I kind of, I'm, I'm like, ugh. I grimace a little. I'm like, hey, that's cool that you're setting, quote, smart goals. And smart goals are important. If you guys don't know smart, specific, measurable. Um, I like it's to use the term repeatable. Like, so specific, I'm sorry, specific, measurable. I use the term actionable, right? Not achievable, because in reality, most things, I think almost all things, with the exception of, hey, I want to fly like a bird, um, may not be achievable, but actionable. I like to have that target be repeatable or replicatable and then time sensitive. So I've even, I've even looked at smart, the smart acronym and adjusted it to serve me even greater. If you think about it, right? Like 
I'm just, I'm just, I'm just. It's Adam's world. It's Adam's world. Yeah, screw, (laughs) screw that shit. It's mine. I'm gonna take it all the way. So, and here's the, here's the other piece. Why, why wouldn't I want to make a target repeatable? Like, if my target is hundred thousand dollars in a month in sales, and that's the target, why wouldn't I want to be able to repeat that target? You know what I mean? So when I'm looking at setting targets, I'm, I'm looking at the ability to improve actually achieve, actually hit the out desired outcome that I'm looking for, and then repeat the process so that I can keep doing it over and over again. And then we go to the next level. How can I teach someone else to hit this same target for me? I may not keep all hundred thousand dollars because now I'm going to pay someone else to hit this target, but I'm going to teach one person and then I'm going to teach another person and then I'm going to teach another person and then I'm going to teach another person. And then the first person I teach, I'm going to have them teach more people. And this is where the shift of mentality and language from goal setting to target setting now applies into the concept of force multiplication. And that's the reality of scaling business. That's the actual reality of how we grow and scale our company. Love it. Love it. Love it. Did now, with your company, yes, you did. Yes, you did. <laughs> right. Now, with your business, is it just companies? You do individual? Tell me a little bit about that because is it shooting guns actually and fighting? Yeah. So I have a bunch of different verticals. So, um, yes, one of my verticals is teaching people how to shoot guns and fight home defense, personal defense, firearms training, and hand to hand, hand to hand fighting. Um, and it's not, it's not one of those things where, Hey, this is how you learn how to be the quote aggressor. It's, this is how you apply aggression when a threat presents itself. So it's a, it's a, it's a different application. I I still train law enforcement. I still sometimes train military personnel. Um, I do security evaluations and assessments. That's one vertical. Another vertical is uh, leadership and team development for business owners. So Um, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to talk about how you were talking about your life before uh, when you were in the military and then how you transform it to a, I don't want to say normal life because what's really normal, how you connected that to make a business for yourself, for other people that may be doing something that they really don't enjoy and they want to transfer to someone else, something else. Do you have any ideas of how they can do that from yourself? Wait, say that question one more time. So for you, you were, you know, in the military, you were doing yeah. that. And then when you got out, you were just, okay, what's next? How did you reframe that to change it, to work for your business and to help other people's business? Well, that's a, okay. So good question. One of the principal issues I had, um, in 2021 was I had stopped doing shooting and training, shooting and fighting training in general, and I was using it as a tool for personal development. And the way we use it as a tool in personal development was specifically what I was talking about, this concept of setting targets, not goals, and then teaching people um, the, the, the ability to focus their power, focus their effort, right? And when we talk about focusing power and focusing effort, we can use different types of firearms to demonstrate what that looks like different tools for different tasks, different tools for different targets. And if I want to focus my effort, I don't necessarily, if I want to hit a target at a thousand meters, I don't want to shoot a shotgun, right? If I want to shoot, if I, if I want to destroy a target at five meters, then I may want to shoot a shotgun. So again, it, it, it was, it was about a real life physical example. So when we use experiential training or experiential lessons, and so in 21, I was like, man, I'm spending the majority of my time behind a computer, spending the majority of my time in an office, majority of my time running calls for personal develop, personal and business development company um, that I was a co-founder of. And, uh, and it was, it was, it was killing me. I mean, it was like, it was 
literally, I, I was losing my health. I was gaining weight. I would go to the gym every day, but I was still, for whatever reason, just, it just wasn't serving me at all. And so I, I, I sat and thought like, look, I figured out a way to translate these skills into the civilian market space and use them for experiential learning. I got to get back to doing this again. And it was actually a really uh, good friend of mine, um, Lorad, his name is Lorad, phenomenal dude. He was a business partner of the company as well. And he said, Adam, he said, you know, the difference between you and one of the other, there's a, a, a Green Beret instructor that's out there. It's pretty well known. He said, you know the difference between you and him? I was like, nope, what is it? He said, um, you don't live the team life anymore. Like you don't live the life of a Green Beret. And I was like, oh. What's the yeah. life of a Green Beret? You, you yeah. got well, the life of a Green Beret is, is that um, you go to the range and shoot on a regular basis. You fight on a regular basis. You maintain your skills at a level that is the, you know, the top 0.5% of the United States military. Um, so you, you're, you're actively maintaining and refining your ability to apply violence and, and aggression into the world, right? It's, it's all directed. And I wasn't doing that. Now I was personally growing a lot of introspection, a lot of self-development, a lot of professional development, but one of the pieces that made me, me, I wasn't doing, I just, I just wasn't doing it. And so I was like, all right, you know what? Got it. Uh, and so I was, I, I took a step back from the personal professional development company. I actually, I stepped away from it completely and I sold my portion of the company and, um, and I, I stepped back and I thought, I'm, I'm going to go on my own. I'm going to go on my own venture. Like, we're going to take this idea that I have, and we're just going to put it into the world and see what happens. We had $3,000 in our bank account in October of 2021. I stepped away from the last company. Um, the sell of my shares of the company had a projected timeline of something like 24 months or something along those lines or 36 months for return. Um, and so I wasn't going to see, I wasn't going to realize any of that, that capital in short term at all. So we had $3,000 in the bank account. My daughter was six months old. <laughs> and, and I would step back and I was like, uh Oh, well, got to hunt, got to feed the family. How do I do this? And so literally, um, again, some, some higher power looking out for me, right opportunity, right moment. I was at a shooting range in South Carolina. I was super, I, we were out, was supporting a nonprofit and they had a bunch of big time donors that were there that were participating in this experience. And it started raining and I had my, my rain jacket on. I had my cell phone, in my front pocket. Well, apparently my rain jacket was waterproof because I didn't get wet, but my cell phone got soaked and it shorted out. Now I'm really pissed off because now I have all my contacts and all my information. I hadn't backed it up to the cloud in like six months. And so um, I got really angry. They went in for lunch, it stopped raining. I took my jacket off and I got kitted up and I went over and just started shooting the crap out of a bunch of steel silhouettes. And uh, like five or six people came out from lunch. And one of them, who is now one of my clients and close friends, he came out and he said, I want to do that. How do, do, how do I do that? And I said, well, it, it takes, you know, lots and lots and lots of ammo and lots of time on the range. And he was, is like, it a okay. cool feeling, even though you're not shooting an actual person? Like, what do you get at it? It just seems like you're just shooting a piece of paper. Like, so I want you to imagine what's the things, Tina, when you, what's the one thing that you do that everything else disappears in your world? Like you're just solely focused on that one thing. When I'm doing some type of intense workout. Yeah. So when you're doing an intense workout, you're, you're so focused and present in the moment that nothing else exists in your world. When I'm shooting, it's the same thing. I'm so present in the moment when I'm shooting that nothing else exists in the world. Like, would you say it's orgasmic? I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't say it's orgasmic. I would say, I would say cathartic 
meditative. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I would say centering. I would give it a lot of those. <laughs> I, I, would, I wouldn't say there's an orgasmic experience. Right, not that much. Well, I think some workouts, you know, the workouts are just like, oh, I just like. I would, wouldn't go that far, but it's a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> but you know, so that, so that piece. So what I was like, hey, all right, how do we do this? So he came out. We had a conversation. Um, like I said, we had three thousand dollars in a bank account by the end of January one. From October, we closed. We closed right around hundred grand. Um in 45 days. And then right around October or January one, January five, somewhere in there, we closed close to another, another hundred K. Um, and so we went from $3,000, not knowing how we're going to feed the family to saying, fuck it, let's go. And, uh, and, and, and literally closing more business personally, uh, and more income personally than, than I had taken from the previous company and the previous company, we had done more sales significantly greater than that. Um, but we reinvested the money back into the company, right? Okay. So someone's listening to you right now and they're like $3,000. Okay. I have 3000. I have a dream. Now, did you have a plan? Did you see someone else's, you know, someone else do this? Did you just trust in yourself? Because it, I'm not saying it sounds crazy, but you have oh, people that <laughs> like, you must've definitely trusted yourself. Did you see it? Did you visualize it? Or please tell me, cause there's people who's listening and they're like, well, I can start a business and I can do that. But then, you know, they don't have that heart. What are your thoughts? So for me, it was, uh, for me, it was, no, I, I didn't have a plan. I had a, I had an idea. Right. And, and let's, and let's, but let's put this out there too, because this is really important. Entrepreneurship and starting your own company is not for everybody. It, it's just not, not everybody's built that way. It's not good or bad. If we talk about just the facts around it, some people's characteristic traits, they're not super high level risk takers. I'm, I'm, I'm as high of a risk taker as you can get. Like when it comes to my characteristics, have you been skydiving? I have. That's a, Okay. Yep. I've swam with sharks. I've been skydiving, um, like swim with sharks with no cage. I've been skydiving, uh, like bungee jumping, downhill mountain bike racing, dirt bike racing. Um, you, you, you name it. If there's an adrenaline dump, I've done it. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's crazy. So it's not for everybody. One, two, some people want to have a pre-established plan that they execute prior to execution. I don't work that way. I like to sell into a problem and then solve the problem in service on the back end. Because the thing is, is that, and, and, and again, I also know myself pretty well at this point. So I know that I can sell myself into a problem, but then I surround myself with people that are phenomenal at setting up systems and processes to provide service provision on the back end. I love it. You started my next question. I had one, then it was two, and I was like, no more, but we're going to do this quickly. I want you to talk about the back end. I think a lot of military people talk about that a lot. And then I want you to talk about collaboration because I guess Ramon invited you to the event. So if you can talk about those two things, because I think they're really important for people. Uh, the back end, as far as what specifically? Is there something specific you want to talk so, about? So I think, again, this is just me thinking, some yeah. or most military people think backwards, where, for example, if I'm going to a trip, I'll plan, okay, I have to pack this, I have to pack that. I have to be to the airport at this time. But then some military people say, okay, the flight leaves at this time. So then I need, it's like they work backwards. Yeah. We call it backwards planning. So, so if you, again, we come back to a personality traits and characteristic traits, right? This is actually beautiful because I just, I just brought on a new tool into my business development stuff uh, and my leadership development stuff. It's a personality assessment. It, it literally right now, as far as, as far as all the research I've seen and all the information I've seen, this particular personality assessment has a 90, a statistically provable 93% level of accuracy, which is kind of crazy. Uh, but the, the fact is, is that some people are, some people are, um, are 
they they think from the now into the future. Some people think from the target back to the now. And so for us in the military, one of the ways that we, one of the ways that we talk about mission planning is we start from the target and then work back. Ah, so sorry to cut so, you off, but I get brain freeze. You said no, something okay. in your podcast. You were like, if your target, if your butt doesn't swell or something, it's not big enough. Yeah, if your, your butt doesn't is- pucker. <laughs> yeah. If your butthole doesn't pucker, it's not big enough. It's not a big enough target. It's not a big, it's not a big enough thing. If it doesn't make you uncomfortable or make you sweat when you're thinking about setting this target, it's not a big enough target. It's not challenging enough. That's the reason why the, the A, if you think about smart, right? Specific, measurable, achievable. I don't, I don't like that particular term because it's very simple. Look, maybe my target is, maybe my target is, uh, I want to lose 10 pounds. So I'm want to move away from where I am. Right. In reality, if I just, if I go from here to here, even if I don't lose 10 pounds, if my target is, Hey, move away from the pen, I'm going to move away from the pen. Have I done that? Yeah. 100%. So is that an achievable target? Yes. Does that make me uncomfortable? No. But if my, my target is, Hey, the only way to move away from this pen is to run a marathon. You're like, Oh, Ooh, that's hard. I don't one. I don't like running hurts. My knees, <laughs> right. I don't like that. I don't want to do that. So it's one of those things where, where when we set these targets, in, in the military, do mission planning. We target target first, and then backwards plan to where we are now. And so, what's the desired outcome? And then, where's our starting point? And the reason why we do the backwards planning is because one of the principal pieces is is the actual the actual product on the back end of planning. If we don't backwards plan and we don't have a hard set time from when we want to kick off, we can spend the rest of the time making a perfect plan. And there's a bloody there's a problem with I, this idea around having a perfect plan. Do you remember? Do you remember what's the one thing you have to do to have a perfect plan? Do you remember what it was? No. We talked about it at the BWC event. Something you must have to have a perfect, no plan? I don't know. It's don't a one think. thing. There's one thing you have to do. Fail? To have a perfect plan. Nope, nothing. You have to do nothing. <laughs> Here, and here's the reason why. It, we can spend all of our time on creating a plan. And if it's a perfect plan, as soon as we take action, as soon as we execute the plan, we change variables on the field, right? And as soon as we change variables, the plan's no longer perfect because we no. have now introduced new things into the plan that didn't exist prior to. And so one of the things that we seek on our end is we don't want a perfect plan. We want a 70 to 80% solution so we can execute. That's the difference. And so in October of 21, we had $3,000 of the bank account and I had an idea and in my mind, I was like, that's an executable idea. Let's, let's sell problem. And, 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 and that's what happened. And then that led to the next step. So that, then it became, Hey, targets of opportunity. Do these opportunities feed into what I want? Do they serve the bigger purpose? Do they actually provide a desirable outcome that feeds my other lines of revenue that I want to, that I'm, I'm actively doing if they are, and it's not a time suck. How can I incorporate that opportunity into what I'm doing? And if they aren't, then say no. Love it. And let's tra- let's transfer that to collaboration with because you said you may not be able to do one thing. You said systems and that sort of stuff with you. How did you meet Ramon and Ramon? <laughs> Ramon, Ramon Ray, one of my most favorite people in the entire world. Believe it or not, I got Ramon coming on my podcast on Friday. We're doing. Woo! Oh, my gosh. Are you going to give potty mouth to Ramon? What's that? Are you going to give potty mouth? Oh, Ramon knows me. He knows, he knows me. <laughs> 
he knows. He, he, I met Ramon through uh, Clubhouse, of all things. For those of you who don't know, Clubhouse is a social media audio app uh, that has different rooms. Imagine a podcast, but imagine a podcast in real time. And oftentimes, there's an opportunity for direct engagement. Um, that engagement and interaction can lead to a multitude of different outcomes, which is really interesting. But I met Ramon through the Breakfast with Champions uh, morning show. And uh, and Ramon and I hit it, hit it off. And then Ramon, myself, and another guy, Scott Simons, um, we we collaborated together. So Scott and I collaborated together. And then Ramon Scott, wanted to come in, and we all three collaborated together. And then when this conference kicked off, I sent an email to Ramon, and I said, I want to support you. How can I support you? Do you need speakers? And he said, yes. And I was like, I'm in don't pay me anything. I just want to support you because I love you. You're an amazing person. And, um, and when we talk about collaboration, the question you have to ask is one, is it worth your time? Two is the person does the, that person you're collaborating with, do they fit your core values? And, and, and do they understand the bigger picture? They understand that bigger vision that you're going after three. How can, how can I be of service? So I don't want to just take, I want to give, how can I provide value? How can I be of service? And then for the last piece is, will it feed into my other potential lines of revenue? And so for those of you who are listening, like Adam, you just said, how can you be of service? Don't just take, but provide value and give. You're 100% right. And also recognize that selflessness is selfishness because there's a positive return on the other end. You don't walk the old lady across the street because, because it's the quote right thing to do. You walk the old lady across the street because it feels good, right? Well, in the same aspect, if I am going to provide value, then I also have to recognize my value on the return. And this was a lesson that I got from Ramon, believe it or not. I knew this information previous to, and every speaking engagement I've ever been to, I've never had a backroom offer. I've not promoted a product. I've not promoted a service. I just showed up and gave every time. And, uh, and what I recognized was that one, I was leaving a shit ton of revenue on the table Two. I wasn't creating the, the level of impact I wanted to create because I wasn't getting people's skin in the game on the back end. And three, Ramon said to me, he said, Adam, you come and you provide value. He said these words. I'm going to do the best I can to, to make sure I quote him. He said, you provide value when you show up. You energize people and you, you, literally, you literally demand action because you don't want them to just feel good. You want them to take action. He said, on the back end of that, I asked you, how can we support you? And, and you didn't, you didn't, you didn't consider that for yourself. He said, that's a problem. <laughs> and I was like, you're right. That's a problem, bro. <laughs> that's a hundred percent an issue. And so because of that, one of the things I've been doing since that was developing a backroom offer. How can I support people further and get a return on the investment that I put into them in that moment? And it, I thought it was a really cool and interesting consideration that I hadn't really taken before because my mind's always service oriented, like service, service, service. That's, that's what we did. That's what I did for 17 years of my life in the military. Uh, but Ramon helped me shift that focus a little bit, which was awesome. Do you have a community or if not just an idea I'm thinking about? Because I know, for example, if you said, hey, join my community, I've seen these places $7 a month. And then you have like a thousand people and being a part of my community I'll come on a Zoom with you once a week or Facebook Live or whatever, just because the energy that you give, as I said earlier, 
it's it's a little challenging to motivate me. And you did motivate me in Dallas, even listening to your podcast yesterday. Uh, if you know, you put me on Front Street in Dallas about my weight. So ever since then, I've just been focused. What, what, yeah, but what did I ask? How much do I weigh? You don't ask a woman that question. You, yes, you do. <laughs> you so, do. And, and what was the best part about it? Like, what was the, what was your initial response? You remember? Oh, I came with all excuses why I couldn't give the answer. Yeah, it was it was actually really beautiful, and it it's it and it, and and you well, believe it or not, your response created more impact than my question did. Ugh. For everybody in the room, your response your your response created more impact in that room than my question did, because it literally demonstrated exact exactly what we were having a conversation about, which was that we all too often put way too much importance around feelings and how and we facts. yeah. Yeah. And it was so beautiful. And it wasn't even, it wasn't set up at all. Like those of you who are listening, if you were there, it wasn't set up at all. It was, it was, it was, it was spectacular well, I think for the moment. It's, it's amazing. You know, you have to stay focused. You have to know your numbers. So at the beginning of this month, I was like, okay, I'm not getting on the scale because we like fight all the time. And then yesterday after listening to your podcast, I said, Tina, you have to know your numbers. So I got on the scale this morning. It was the exact same, the protein, the fat, the muscle fat, the visceral, like everything was the same, but I wasn't upset. I was like, okay, at least I know my number. Cause I was like, I may have to go to the doctor. Maybe I have some thyroid or whatever. But my point is what were you about to say? No, that's it. Yeah. No, I guess 100%. That's, that's the best part. Like, holy crap. So look, can I give you an example? Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, in June, July, August timeframe of 2021, I was training for an Ironman. Okay. Woo. And then I got COVID. So at the time I was training for an Ironman, I was swimming at the time I was knocking out a one mile swim in like, I was doing a one mile swim, in like 41 minutes or just under, um, like my times were really solid. My mile runs were down to seven minutes and staying, like seven minutes and 40 seconds, somewhere in there. I was knocking out my bike. My bike run was my bike ride was solid. Um, my resting heart rate was like 58 beats per minute, 57 beats per minute. I'm like, I was crushing it. Then I got COVID. Okay. Then on the back end of COVID, it, com it completely crushed not only my training regimen, but my, my, in general, everything about me at the time. Uh, I dropped a crap ton of weight. I was sick for 14 days, but then the recovery piece on the back end, I, I, I believe it would, it would, it would zap all of my energy and I would be out of breath taking my trash can from the bottom of our driveway about 50 yards or less up a small hill to the top of our driveway to get up top and it'd be smoked. Like, Oh my God, this is miserable. So here's the thing. Let's talk about metrics. I knew my numbers. I knew my resting heart rate. I knew what my, my, my zone of performance was supposed to be while I was swimming, biking and running. And now, and because, you know, we let's, we have smart devices. Um, one of the problems that I'm running into right now is that I have a resting heart rate about 120 beats per minute. Now, right now I do. And this has been an issue since the beginning of this year. And so I'm trying to figure out one, why, like, why is my resting heart rate the way it is? What are other factors? What are other metrics that I can measure in my life that may potentially be impacting the, my, my physicality. And this has always been a piece of like being physically fit and big and strong. Like that's just kind of been me. And so I could, I, is it frustrating? Fuck yeah. It's frustrating. Cause I, I don't, I want to play with my daughter. I want to run. I want to ride my bike. I want to lift weights harder and faster. And I want to be more intense in everything that I do. And it's forced me to slow my physical pace down a little bit. And so just to think and consider, I could get on the scale. I can look at my heart rate. I can do all this shit. 
But at the end of the day, what I'm doing is just collecting facts, collecting metrics in order for me to try and diagnose the situation and how to better treat it, perform, show up, et cetera. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> I didn't think we'd even talk about so much. So in such a little bit of time, Renee, I'm going to pull you up and then I have some closing remarks uh, for you. Renee, you have and a I don't, hey, I don't have a hard stop. We can go as far as long as we want. I don't care. <laughs> Renee, what are you thinking about Adam? She was not in Dallas, but uh, she does listen to you a lot. Yeah. And, oh, go ahead, Renee. You, you are amazing. So one question I, I have and it kind of circles back to what you've been talking about, the Green Berets. I know that it's at a very exclusive group of people in the military because of what it takes to become a Green Beret. I also know that they're very successful at what they do because of the discipline that they follow. All of those things, I see that people could apply in business and be successful in business that if you look at the at the core values of a green beret i feel like they could be applied in the business world why is it do you think that people struggle so much with adapting to to those core values before he answers that question, because, you know, Adam, there's some people who don't know. I'm not saying me. I'm not mm -hmm. saying me at all. There's some people who don't know what a Green Beret is. There's some people who don't know if it's hard. You know, I'm just speaking for those people that don't know. Could you tell us what a Green Beret? I mean, it's a hat. I know Prince had a raspberry beret, but. We're just a bunch of princes. That's all. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so uh, Green Berets are the, um, they make up the United States Army Special Forces. So there's one element in the entire United States military that's called the Special Forces. And it's the United States Army, United States Army Special Forces. And they're made up of Green Berets. Everybody else is considered Special Operations Forces. As are, they fall under the term of Special Operations. There's only one unit one organization called the special forces in the United States military. With that being said, um, their specialty, our specialty as green berets in general, we have a multitude of different mission sets that we focus on. So unconventional warfare, asymmetrical warfare operations, uh, psychological warfare operations, medical capabilities, um, intelligence collection and analytics. We, we do all sorts of stuff, right? They, they, in, in short, um, the term sort of warrior diplomat has been used a lot to sort of describe what Green Berets are, because one of the principal targets, one of the principal mission sets that we do, our responsibility is to link up with local indigenous forces or local sympathetic forces. For example, think about Afghanistan and the horse soldiers. We had a team of Green Berets get dropped off into the into the middle of the country in the middle of in the middle of a war zone, basically uh, with tribal wars and warlords and the Taliban and everybody else with no real-time um, high-level logistical support and they had to build rapport they had to create a relationship with a host force support them logistically maintain that rapport and then utilize the concept of force multiplication to achieve the desired end state and so renee i think your question is really good question but i, I want to i'm going to shift it just a little bit uh the problem with most business owners, and I would even say civilians in general, is not that they're not willing to adhere to a core, a core value set that we would have in the special operations community. It's that they don't even know what their core values are. That, that's the problem. 
the number one problem that I run into with most business owners that I work with is that they've gone through mission, vision, core values. Like, oh yeah, we have mission, vision, core values. It's on our website. Cool. Name one. Waiting for it. Oh, you don't, you don't know it off the top of your head. Then why did you do it? What was even the point of doing it? The, the, I think the biggest principal problem in modern society is that we have moved, we've moved everyone away from having an established set of core values that they, that are principles they wish and choose to live by. And we've promoted and, and supported and sponsored this concept of pure anarchist freedom, which is there are no core values, do whatever the fuck you want to do, whenever the fuck you want to do it and get away with it if you can. Like that's, that's the piece. And so I think one of the principal issues, and I think one of the thing, one of the reasons why I do what I do is I want to see people be better, not only being themselves and understanding who they are and becoming more self-aware, but creating success and building wealth so that I can build an army of action takers that use core values as a way to measure how they show up in the world, but also how their business shows up in the world and how their employees show up in the world. And that's a really important piece. And so I think, I think really, Renee, it's not, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of different facets with this, but to speak to the concept of core values, I think most people just don't know what they, what theirs are. And so they're, they're basically walking through life, allowing feelings to dictate every action that they take or a majority of the actions that they take rather than utilizing core values as a litmus to measure how they show up in the world. Now we could go into hard skills, not like, so or maybe some soft skills, like, Hey, how do I delegate tasks? How do I task prioritize? Uh, am I a target of opportunity kind of person or am I a target fixated kind of person? How do I teach someone and train them to be my replacement? How do I force multiply so I can scale my company? How do I create systems and processes on the back end for service provision so that I can have regular client touches that don't require me constantly having to remember to do that. Like we, there's a, a litany of considerations that we can take and a litany of conversations we can have. But the first and foremost biggest issue without, in my mind, without question is the individual's lack of personal identity and, and, and a lack of self-awareness to the point where they don't even have their own core values defined. I love that. I love that. So in close, you know, we cannot have you leave without you talk a little bit about motivation and action because you say you're not a motivational speaker, but I'm going to say you're a motivational speaker and you talk about taking action, feelings, not facts. That, that's been like my new thing since we left Dallas. Another thing I meant to tell you, you inspired us to really promote our core values more where Renee made this beautiful little flyer and I have them right here in front of me. Loyalty, hard work, faith, and high energy. Those are the core values for me and my business. Feelings, not facts, but can you uh, close us off with your thoughts on motivation and action and if it's you, motivation important? <laughs> you, you know the phrase. You know the phrase very well. Motivation and inspiration without action is nothing more than masturbation. And that is truly what I believe. And I say that because it it it's cool to feel good, but feeling good is only temporary. Uh, if you ever get Amelia Ant Antonetti on here, she talks about the science behind emotions and emotions last 90 seconds unless we feed that emotion. So it's cool to have a big dopamine dump in the system and have this really exciting high from hearing someone drive you and inspire you. And, oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. But, but what, but what is the next step? How do I take that energy and that that energetic desire to do and actually apply it into the world. And if you don't, and if you're not prepared to take action, then 
then don't be prepared to be motivated. I, I would say it just comes down to that. Like, don't go to a motivational speak. This, there are people, there are people that are addicted to the speaking circuit. They're addicted to it. And they go, they go to all these different speaking engagements and they talk to all these and they listen to all these different speakers. And it, it's because it they get this constant dopamine dump, but nothing changes in their life. And nothing changes in their life because they are they are not willing and prepared to act on the information and lessons that are provided to them. And so I would say it's cool to be motivated and it's really exciting to find inspiration in a touching story that tugs at your heartstrings. My question is, what the fuck are you going to do about it? So there's someone listening now and they're like, man, I love his energy. I love everything about him. Yes, they can go to your website, which is savagealphaproject.com. Yes, That's they one. can go. That's also, one of them. That's one. The real adamsmith.com. Okay. Savagefreedoms.com will be up and running by the end of next week. Love it. Um, and uh, I think that's all of them for now. I, I'll have a couple more up soon. So this is my question to you. What if they want to get a little closer? Like I was saying, a little community. Do you see that in the near future? Maybe, you know, Ramon has his celebrity CEO where he meets his people once a week. I think he charges a hundred. I'm a part of it, so I should know. It's like a uh, hundred bucks a month where he just kind of gets in and feeds. Do you see a little community coming for Adam Smith in the near future? Absolutely. So believe it or not, one of the things I'm working on right now is a threefold. It's a threefold um, plan. So uh, step one in this particular piece is the release of my book. So we're really close to being done with the initial draft. What's the initial draft What's about? editing? What's that? What's the book about? What's the book about? It's the book is about leadership and mentality. So it, the, the book discusses a little bit about my background, but then it focuses on three principal concepts of leadership that I've brought from the military. And I've, I've learned how to translate that into the civilian market for business leaders, which is lead, train and mentor. And each one of those steps, lead, train and mentor have, uh, there's a breakdown for each one of those aspects of how to be a sound leader. And then a part of that too is people like, so lead, train, mentor. And in the mentorship pieces, do you even know your people? And there's a big piece of understanding who your people are. What are their internal and external motivating factors? How do they find significance in their life and in the world? These are all these are all really important pieces for leaders to understand because when we communicate as leaders, we one, we have to know how people are going to receive the message. Like what's the best way for me to deliver this information for them to receive it? That's one. Two, how do I generate a high level of retention? And three, how do I incentivize them to take action in order for them to find significance and create success for everyone, including themselves? And so the book focuses on those pieces. Then once the book comes out, as the book is coming out, also there's going to be the Savage community that's going to be coming out. So it's going to be called the, probably called the Savage Alpha community. I haven't finalized the name yet, but it's going to be around there. That community is going to be very similar to what Ramon's doing. And it's going to be an opportunity to come in learn some leadership experiences, have some, have some principal conversations, probably do a hot seat once a month with individuals who are having significant problems and spend an hour with them, just sort of digest and break down some information. Oh, you're giving too much now. That's too much. That that's a separate, that's a separate program. Oh no, that's, an this, hour? Is the, this is the, uh, yeah, an hour, <laughs> one hour a month, you get an hour a month for one person to come in and do a one-on-one -on -one consult. That'll be part of the offering. Um, it's not going to be once a week or even twice. It's once a month. <laughs> and then, um, and then the third part, which is the biggest part is going to be a, um, an experiential learning mastermind. So masterminds are all over the country. People come together, they come and sit in a room and they listen to people talk. 
the piece that's missing is action. And I want people to take action. I want them to get dirty. I want them to be sweaty. I want them to be uncomfortable. I want them to learn what it is to get back to being that seven-year-old, that eight-year-old, that nine-year-old self again, and have fun in the dirt and the mud, but also recognize like we can seek this shit out. We don't have to wait for someone to cause a problem for us. We don't have to wait for a fire to be set before we, we, we step into the weeds. We have the opportunity to be uncomfortable on a regular basis to be better. And so I want to bring experiential learning into the mix. So it, it's, it would be a unique, very unique opportunity uh, to be a part it of it. It sounds like a little retreat. Is it going to be like a two, three night experience where they're in the woods and camping and stuff? That, that's exactly right. It's going to be wow. going to, the idea is for it to be three or four days long. Um, it's going to be destination themed. And then to be part of the mastermind, you have to go through the experience. Ooh, I love it. Love it. Love it. So Renee, I'm going to go with some key takeaways I have here. Cause I'm, I'm just like, so, Oh, this is what I wanted to say before I forget when your book comes out, please contact me because I would love to support with my entire tribe. Uh, by the time it comes, you said it's coming out in a few months or a few well, weeks. No, the, so we'll have the first, the, I should have the first draft done. The targets have the first draft done by July 4th. Um, and then it'll go to initial edit. So I think more than likely July, probably it'll probably be mid August, I think for release. Okay, so I should probably have this podcast thing under, you know, really understand it by then. <laughs> but I do have a pretty cool community and I want us all to support. And, you know, because I know when the books first come out, you want to buy them right away so you can get that bestseller. So please don't forget to hit me up. And Tina, come on, yes, and sell this book. <laughs> but targets, not goals. I love that. Feelings, not facts, the core values. That's just so hit so super, you know, close to home. And uh, I'm just so grateful. And like I told you in the beginning, I got to go. I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I right. bathroom. It's like, it's time to go yeah. to the bathroom. Guys, I'm going to shut yeah. this down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hugging you. I can't wait for the next event just for that, like, that camaraderie, you know, that conversation. Renee, you want to say anything before we get out of here? This has been so awesome. Thank you so much, Adam. And I believe that people listening to this podcast are going to take away that they have the right to seek success. They can, it is their right to go out and achieve success just as much as it is anyone else's. It's, yep. it's their duty. They right. have a responsibility right. to the, to themselves, their community and the world to not only seek success, but demand excellence from themselves because they're doing the world a disservice when they fail to show up, when they fail to show up and they fail to share their, their superpower with the world, they're doing themselves in the world a disservice. And it's, it is, it's not just, not just the freedom. I a hundred percent agree. They have the freedom. They have, they have the duty and responsibility to seek success and be better. Yep. Thank you. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. This has been awesome. I just want a little pause because I don't know how they work, but that's a great sound bite. So I wanted to make sure it was enough time after it. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for your time. Bye. See you guys later.